Ben Robinson here with Blue Line Sports Management in Denver, Colorado. You are listening to episode number six of the Skate Your Way to the Top podcast on iTunes. Today's podcast episode will feature an interview-style format with Tim Naiman. Tim is one of the top sports performance and strength and conditioning coaches in Colorado. As the Director of Hockey Development at Impact Sports Performance, Tim has designed and implemented hockey programs for players and teams of all levels across the hockey world. A former two-sport athlete in college, Tim understands the physical and mental demands it takes to keep your body in peak condition for optimum performance. During his tenure at Impact, Tim has trained hundreds of AAA, junior, NCAA collegiate, and professional hockey players in the NHL, AHL, and ECHL. Tim also leads Impact's football performance training and has worked with dozens of NFL and Division I football athletes, including current Denver Broncos players. Tim prides himself in developing athletes to physical, mental, and physiological supremacy. This episode with Tim will focus on providing you with some tools and resources to have a strong off-season of strength and conditioning in the gym. Our goal is to provide you with some insight to help better prepare you for your next hockey season. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Tim Naiman. Hi Tim, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us today. Thank you Ben, appreciate it. I'm excited to bring you on today to discuss off-ice strength and conditioning specific to hockey players. Uh, being mid-June now, most seasons are over and players are recharging the batteries. Uh, most players have already begun preparation for next season and for their tryout camps approaching this fall. I know you recently attended the National Strength and Conditioning Hockey Training Clinic in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you took away from that experience there last week. Yeah, so, so the uh, the NSCA uh, puts on an incredible event um, every single year. This is the uh, mostly the fourth time that I've attended it, um, and it's pretty much just uh, strength conditioning coaches, specifically hockey strength conditioning uh, coaches, that uh, get together. Um, I mean, we're talking, you know, just nationwide, uh, even up north, uh, you know, into Canada, um, and and we talk through uh, our experiences, our style of programming, um, and you know, they'll. Uh, Scott Caulfield down at the NSCA will will put together um, maybe uh, five to ten different um, strength coaches that will um, present on different topics that they're interested in uh, uh, that they utilize that they um, could uh, you know expand on more of on the cutting edge uh, style of training uh, I guess to help other trainers out and grow within their industry and so it's just a a great collaboration across the board and. Um, you know, I picked up a lot of, uh, a lot of great things, um, uh, as well as some, uh, things that, uh, are really confirming that we're doing the right stuff here. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, we're, we're expanding and we're continuing to, uh, if you will, evolve. Um, I do have, um, you know, about five years under my belt at Impact Sports. And in those five years, we, um, we were able to, um, I guess take every single year, Learn, uh, progress and advance our program. Uh, and in the, in the end, this whole event really sets me up uh, and sets our, uh, our athletes up, uh, to get better, uh, to, uh, continue to, uh, push and pursue, uh, their, uh, their hockey careers at an elite level, um, and compete, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, amongst the nation's best. So, uh, that's probably the best summary of it, um, without getting into too, too much detail though. 
Great, great. I mean, it sounds like a really good think tank. I've been well aware that they do this every year. It seems like it's getting bigger every year. Uh, how many about how many people attended this year? Um, I would probably say there was a between sixty and eighty people that attended. Um, and you know the the attendees are uh, you know the NCHC uh, conferences. We got the uh, uh, East Hockey. We got I think we had about five NHL teams there. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, uh, Tier 1 juniors, uh, USHL, um, and I know there are some uh, uh, independent contractors like myself. Uh, Marie Mountain was there. Uh, she's a goalie-specific uh, coach out of, uh, I want to say, um, south, uh, southwest Canada. Um, I think the Vancouver area, if I was uh, remembering correct. Uh, but, you know, so it, it, it's, uh, it, it's such a variety of it, uh, of space uh, and, and great diversity. Um, so discussions... Um, are very uh, well in tune. Uh, so, no, give us a little a background on your career and uh, what a typical day looks like for you right now uh, with your hockey athletes. So, I, um, like I mentioned a little bit uh, a little bit ago, I, I'm about five years into uh, my full time uh, career at Impact Sports. Um, I just took over um, the uh, sports uh, performance directing role. So uh, now I oversee all the programs. I oversee all the sports that uh, go through. Um, uh, Impact Sports has been around for about, uh, I want to say, 11 years, um, and we've progressed from about a, um, I want to say, about 17,000 square foot facility um, into um, a combined facility that's about 170,000 square foot uh, facility in Superior, Colorado. Um, and we have uh, probably currently rolling through about uh, 500, um, if not more, athletes a day through all our sports, you know, basketball, uh, lacrosse, rugby, football, baseball, uh, and then, of course, hockey. And, um, you know, the hockey development, um, I took over, I think, in my second year um, as a, a full-time employee for Impact. Um, I started working with Colin Bowman, um, who uh, a brother of Drayton Bowman, who was the, uh, the second-round draft pick for Carolina, uh, I can't remember which draft that was in, but uh, Colin uh, went and you know grew up, I guess, locally. Uh, left for the uh, the dub. Um, I believe he went to Calgary Hitman um, first um, in the dub, and then finished out his junior career and pursued uh, his professional hockey. But um, a lot of the, the the foundation that I had um, in, in in hockey training specifically, um, I basically took Colin uh, and put him through it. Uh, and it has gone from one person to uh, right now uh, I currently will work with about 30, uh, 36 different hockey teams, and I believe we have about 100 kids, uh, you know, kids or men, uh, in the, uh, the summer off-season training program. And that um, will uh, pretty much encompass most of my day. My, uh, my days are uh, 6.15 in the morning, um, and then uh, I, I report an impact. I get things set up for my first session at about 6.45. Uh, and then uh, I currently uh, will be working till about maybe nine, nine thirty, ten um, at night. And so I'll have maybe an hour uh, break in the day where I get my own workout in, um, and I put myself through actually the hockey program because um, I condition with our guys too. We're you know we're fortunate enough to have Red Rocks here in Colorado, and so we do some conditioning up at Red Rocks. Uh, in preparation for our season. So, you know, that's a little bit about the take on the day. Uh, what, uh, you know, and, and that's very, very consistent. The hockey program runs four days a week. We go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, we intertwine and, um, mix up our days, uh, you know, uh, to the point where our Mondays are normally lower body efforts. Our Tuesday are upper body efforts. 
more strength-based in those two days. Uh, on Tuesday, we'll throw in a uh, field work session uh, where we'll work a lot of linear speed on uh, on our Tuesday. Wednesday uh, is a recovery day, or I let the guys come in and what we just call beach bod day. You know, every every uh, every kid in the summer wants to uh, uh, you know look good in their cutoffs uh, at the beach, so we'll uh, we'll have them do you know come in and get their kind of glamour muscles done if they want. Um, uh, you know, it's just uh, something that they want to do. And then uh, uh, Thursday we'll do um, a lower body effort, more dynamic based uh, on power and uh, uh, explosiveness. And then Friday is our upper body day, kind of based on of uh, uh, power and explosiveness as well. Um, and then we'll. Uh, we'll do more of a, a heavily involved um, kind of training session on Friday in the field where we'll do a lot of change of direction, a lot of lateral movement, linear transitions out of lateral movement um, as we get closer to um, August and September, uh, depending upon on, uh, what age group we have and when the, uh, the kid is starting their season. We'll incorporate our conditioning um, Friday a lot at Red Rocks uh, just to get a different environment. Um, and then uh, our stuff in here, uh, will be kind of a mix of, uh, you know, plyometrics, uh, sled work. Um, we have a lot of band, uh, transition stuff that we do. Um, and so that's kind of the, the breakdown, um, of our, our, our hockey, uh, program, uh, in the off season. Oh, excellent. I mean, I have a lot of respect for the job that you, you've been doing. And obviously with the foundation of guys you've got in the NFL and football, and then also your hockey foundation, I think those two together, uh, you've got a lot of proven results and guys moving on to pro and guys moving on to Division One college. So uh, that's great to hear. And uh, if and if nobody's familiar with Red Rocks, it's a legendary amphitheater uh, here in Morrison, Colorado, and uh, really a great place to train. It's uh, it's you know you're at mile high elevation or or, or higher, and uh, really it's a, there's giant steps, um, and it's just a really great place to do some cardio. And uh, a lot of people actually go out there and do that in the morning. So. It's great to hear that you're doing that with hockey hockey athletes. What uh, what beliefs are paramount to your specific hockey training philosophy? Um, you know, I think our, our blocks are kind of based off of um, uh, more of a tri hitch and front contrast uh, uh, component. Um, you know, we do uh, a lot of clusters, and, and, and basically, what that means is, um, you know, when we when we take and develop our athlete, um, and 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 this goes across the board you know i think uh um you know hockey as a whole um our athletes um across the board all our male athletes female athletes would benefit greatly from our hockey program regardless of sport to be honest because of the demands we put them through um we work on a lot of body control to start um so we're doing isometrics um uh an isometric hold meaning holding inflection for time uh and time under tension uh as part of our gpp um, and, and, and that kind of lays the foundation for motor recruitment, for uh, body position, body control, and then we'll work in and out of position. You know, so, uh, it, well, I guess I could stop there and, 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 and elaborate a little bit more. Um, when you have an athlete come in, uh, you don't, especially in, 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 in where I'm at, I don't really know what kind of compensation patterns they have. And, and you know, for instance, um, in one of my one of the guys who plays for Tri-City, Josiah Slavin, um, he, uh, I think he took a knee to his, uh, his thigh, uh, at one point, um, but he also had a, uh, a hip flexor issue. Um, and if you watched him run, you watched him squat, uh, he was shifting, he was very, um, uh, I guess, um, comp- uh, uh, compensatory, um, towards, uh, his, his injured, uh, uh, leg, and you could see him just shift the pattern. Um, and 
what ends up happening when we when we have uh, compensatory movements is uh, we we develop bad habits in movement and running and jumping and and lifting and so uh, what suffers is our our our, our performance throughout the offseason. We're not able to push and develop as much strength and power. Um, and and you know the, the the I guess the beating these athletes get on uh, on themselves in the season, uh, we have to take the time to truly prepare their bodies. Uh, for the load that we need to put them through now uh, to get the full advantage of a, a, a true strength uh, program uh, and a true uh, power and conditioning program in the off season, um, and so when we when we take these isometrics, we really lay that foundation on this is where we need to be, this is our ideal position, uh, and this is where we need to be stable. Um, and then once we develop that, we'll work it in and out of position, so that way our compensatory patterns. Um, are not coming into effect. Uh, we are working full range of motion without shifting, without movement. Um, we're down and up in an efficient pattern versus down and shifting out and then back up. Um, and so that's kind of the uh, the take on, on on the intro style. When when we get into the the clusters and triphasic uh, style stuff, and and triphasic programming comes out of. Uh, um, you know, predominantly Caldita uh, uh, and the research that they have done at the University of uh, uh, Minnesota. Um, I was very fortunate to have um, a, a one of my college roommates and best friends who was a GA for Caldita um, way back before Cal even wrote the book. He was actually writing the book as um, um, my uh, my best friend was was uh, uh, doing the GA and, and and up in Minnesota. Um, and so I got an upper hand on a lot of the, uh, uh, I guess, opening phases of, of what triphasic is. And it, it's a, basically a summary is a combination of, um, uh, eccentric, isometric, and concentric movements, um, you know, strategically patterned and undulating, uh, uh, formulation to the point where, um, uh, you actually, uh, uh, will get better power outputs, uh, and better strength development. Um, throughout the programming, um, and um, with, with that kind of being said, um, the whole program that we run here, being based off of that, has uh, for me has really uh, stood out and set itself apart. Um, and and we've had so many great results uh, in development. I think uh, one of the the first years that I had Jacob Slavin, um, defenseman for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, um, he he just thrived under that kind of programming. Um, and, and he worked on just body control and body movement and then taking that control through the eccentric isometric components. And when we started adding more of a, 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 uh, a concentric and a, a focus on, uh, muscle, um, recruitment with velocity, that's where, um, uh, I felt like his performance and his development took off. And you could see it when he was at his second year at CC. You know, you could see him just, uh, the game almost looked too slow. Uh, uh, for him, and it looked like it was too easy on some level. Uh, and then, you know, the next year, uh, he, he, uh, he signed his contract two-way with, uh, Carolina. He ended up being with the Checkers, um, to start, and, and you can watch him develop and progress throughout it. And now, you know, he just looks like, uh, 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 everything has settled in with his NHL career. He's moving well. He's staying strong, fundamental. Um, at this point, um, with him being kind of locked in in Carolina, um, I might see him once once or twice a year, um, and then that you know that that'd be pretty much uh, you know the extent of it, um, uh, just because you know they're living him and his wife are living out there. And then you know Goose Olafson, another defenseman, um, 
you know, he's, uh, he's come up through the triphasic approach, um, and you can watch even his development. Um, you know, he, uh, he stepped in a role with even in Minnesota Wild, uh, that they were, uh, loaded with defensemen. Um, and, uh, you know, he's looking at finishing up his, uh, uh, his entry level contract. And, or I can say he's looking at, he just finished that up. And, um, this next, uh, go, uh, you know, kind of go around, he's looking at a one way contract, uh, with Minnesota. But you look at his movements and his, and, and his foundation, that was predominantly seen this, this last year. Um, and this honestly was his first year that he, uh, came to me, uh, completely healthy. The first year I worked with him, um, outside of, uh, CC, I think he took a flash to the wrist. He had to have wrist surgery. The next year was a labrum. The following year was his other labrum. Uh, and so a lot of our, our approach didn't really set off until, until just, uh, this last off season. Um, and then now, uh, today he's completely healthy, 100% healthy, and he looks incredible. So, you know, we, when, uh, we, we look at this, this, this off season, we, we start intertwining, um, the, the body control approach and then transitioning to more of, uh, repeated muscle patterns, uh, or, uh, concentric patterns. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, I mean, everyone listening and, and, and even, you know, uh, Ben, you and myself, well, it'd be fun to sit back and watch Goose and see, uh, how much, uh, he finds himself in position just because he has body control and how much his transitions into the corners and, and really even, uh, being able to, uh, move his body to find himself in position. Uh, it, it's just going to be fun to watch because that's that's really what the programming does best um, that I feel, especially transitioning to sport. Absolutely. I mean, it helps your guys take the next step and to stick full-time at the National Hockey League, which is a tough thing to do, and it's hyper-competitive. So, obviously, these athletes, I mean, hockey is one of the, the longest and most grueling seasons in all sports. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said about specific hockey training that's that's hyper-specific that's super focused on hockey and the results that you're trying to achieve. Um, a lot of the athletes that you see describe the prototypical hockey build and then um, like some common weaknesses that you see a lot of times with a lot of these hockey players. You know, I think uh, uh, the, the common build that we see um, uh, when, when before they kind of come into programming, when we first see them um, uh, is, is you kind of see uh, a lot of, uh, uh, anterior chain dominance, meaning, uh, forward, uh, or I guess forward tilting of the shoulders. Um, um, you see tight hip flexors. Um, you, uh, obviously, you know, with, with, within, within the sport and, um, I guess the, the demands of it, uh, usually tree trunk of legs. I mean, their, their quads, uh, are, are usually, uh, overly strong. Very, uh, for the most part, very weak hamstrings. Um, and, uh, you know, I I feel like every coach um, will, uh, you know, on an exit interview, um, will have told at least one of their kids they need to work on their first three steps. Um, they need to gain 10, 15 pounds. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's, that, that, that happens so much. I, a lot of my, my uh, athletes, especially my new hockey players that have come in um, this, uh, this offseason, uh, they all are looking at gaining weight. They're all, you know, looking at um, – uh, I guess even, even trying to, uh, position their pelvis back into a neutral state because they are always in a hip flex position. You look at goalies, they're always, uh, flexing at their hip, uh, you know, in a sense almost, you know, hip hinge or, or almost bent over. Um, and, and that creates, um, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, we were just talking about compensatory patterns. Um, that in itself, uh, uh, will, will speak volumes for, uh, how we have to approach hockey players. 
when they come in. And so I would say that's um, the predominant features that I see uh, and then the predominant kind of goals uh, that each athlete and each hockey player comes in with um, for the most part in our offseason. No, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously uh, these guys have metabolisms that are raring to go and uh, it's hard to put on weight. So obviously there's a lot of imbalances too that they have from the season, whether it's various injuries. Uh, your job is obviously to come in and help rebuild that and get the foundation back to where it needs to be and back to level. So um, that being said, what what's kind of the biggest difference that you see between in-season training versus off-season training when they're spending their summer with you? You know, it's uh, I, it, that actually is, uh, is really kind of... Uh, uh, I can direct that question um, to a, a quote that I uh, heard this last weekend um, at the NSCA event uh, from Devin McConnell. He's the uh, head strength conditioning coach for uh, UMass Lowell, um, and he's a former hockey player himself. I uh, had a great conversation with him. Um, he, he's a great guy, very humble and very uh, eager to learn, uh, continue to um, perfect his art um, and, 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 and strive for perfection so his athletes um, succeed. Um, and uh, one of his quotes was, um, your uh, off-season training and off-season um, programming is so that you can lift uh, uh, heavier weights. Um, and then he went on to say, uh, in-season training and programming is so you can lift trophies. Um, so kind of what he's basically saying is, the off season is your one shot to truly get a focus on being able to develop strength and power. Um, where once you get to end season, there's so many different variables uh, that can play in uh, uh, to the point where you may not get the true strength training. You might be just focusing completely on maintenance. Um, you don't know uh, if you know. For instance, uh, a lot of the AAA guys here at uh, Rocky Mountain Rough Riders, at one point, I think they had 18 games in 30 days. Uh, you know, so you're looking at an average of, of, uh, every other day at that point. Um, and where am I going to fit in training so that way we don't overtrain? You know, so a lot of our kind of strength and, and, and foundation based, uh, components were, uh, out the window and we're, we're mainly focusing on, um, regeneration and making sure these athletes stay healthy because if they don't stay healthy, they're not going to be on the ice, uh, and, and, and we're not even going to get a chance to win the game. So, um, that's kind of the, the main difference, uh, would be, you know, the ability to increase volume, uh, and, and increase, um, you know, more, uh, I guess percentage based lifts where we're going higher percentages, higher volume, uh, uh or, or higher weight, um, and truly getting our, our strength, uh, in the off season where the in season is like, hey, keep our guys healthy, keep them on the ice, and let's try to get them to, uh, do, uh, a, a program that's going to get them to peak, come, uh, you know, March or April or whenever, you know, their, uh, their playoffs are. Um, and a lot of the times with the colleges, I don't have a lot of uh, control on that. Most of my college guy, uh, or college hockey, uh, player approach is going to be, um, I take the head transition, uh, coaches program and we'll intertwine it, um, into our program, um, and tweak a couple things so it gets the, uh, the athlete the result that they need for, uh, the demand that the strength conditioning coach um, of their season is going to have uh, have that's probably the one um, I guess age bracket um, and uh, a player that I have to do that for because the college strength conditioning co uh, coach gets the player from um, you know pretty much uh, let's just say end of August all the way through um, the end of May 
And so that, with that being said, that's the majority of the year. And I would rather have them uh, be able to progress throughout 12, uh, 12 months throughout the year. So if I can uh, intertwine the other three months to complete the year for the athlete, there's going to be better results where sometimes um, a guy like, let's say, Goose, um, you know, he's come in uh, off of uh, an, uh, an Iowa Wild season slash Minnesota Wild. He was up and down uh, throughout the year. Um, they didn't really get a shot at kind of manipulating a program for development. And so this offseason, we're really kind of taking true to a strength uh, uh, program. And then working with Minnesota Wild strength coach, we're looking at um, – basically uh transitioning him right into uh that that phasing and that programming and that's um that's going to be more of the in-season maintenance at that point versus actually getting a chance to uh to develop because Deuce, i had him in april and i'll have him to pretty much september uh so there's a larger chunk of time and that goes across the board with all our triple a uh players for the most part all our junior players um and so you know that's going to be the i guess the main difference um, uh, there as, uh, as, as, as hockey training specifically. I think that's valuable insight, especially because, uh, you know, there's two different models, essentially. I mean, you've got the American League or the CHL, the Western Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior League, or the Ontario Hockey League, and they're playing every other night, essentially. They're on the bus, um, you know, every other night, and they're traveling to and from games all the time, so there's very little time to dedicate to the gym and getting in the weight room uh, maybe as much as they could, uh, where you compare that to the NCAA college model and junior like the USHL, uh, those guys have more time during the week, obviously, to get in the weight room, get bigger, get stronger, and then they have games on Fridays and Saturdays mostly. Um, so then it gives you a little more time, obviously, to recover and get bigger and get stronger. But um, definitely valuable insight what you're saying there. Um Next thing I'd say is, uh, if you could kind of choose only one exercise to help prevent injury, uh, what would you have your hockey athletes do? And obviously, what what are those best high return on investment type exercises for players to utilize? You know, I think um, exercise wise, um, you know, for health and, and and even you know just the best bang for your buck, um, I would I would probably. And and that and that and that kind of it, it's it's hard you know and and it's hard to kind of choose one specific uh, exercise because a lot of them will progress you know so we'll go from a a closed chain unilateral movement so we'll do like a split stance lunge where you're kind of in a staggered if you will like receiver stance and then you know you're going into a lunge drop uh, you know dropping straight down into a lunge um, so both feet are on the ground and then we'll progress to like a Bulgarian split squat or uh, an RFE where the back foot's up on a a roller pad and we're doing, uh, you know, single leg, uh, uh, lunges and, or split squats from there. Um, you know, but I, I would have to say that, um, unilateral movements, single leg movements, um, are, are where it's at. Um, especially, um, you know, for, uh, uh, preparation for the elongation of stride. Um, you know, so, uh, that probably, um, has to be my answer would be a, a rear foot elevated, uh, split squat. Um, and then I think I would just challenge everyone, uh, you know, to, to, as you're looking at that exercise, um, to figure out how to best, um, you know, program that within what you're currently doing, um, you know, and, and making, maybe even taking an approach like we were talking earlier, like an isometric approach where you're holding at the bottom, creating stability. Um, you know, you do have to prepare the hips, um, and the, and the groin, um, very well. And I think that kind of, uh, helps uh, elongate 
um, uh, our, our stance. Uh, so it helps kind of mimic more of uh, just that on-ice stride. Um, and so that's probably why I would, you know, choose that exercise specifically. Okay, great. I mean, yeah, because a lot of players, they really only have 12 to 14 weeks or less over the summer to get this um, get this in. So that definitely helps uh, kind of identify some areas that guys can use uh, to, to most benefit them to get kind of the most bang for the buck there. Uh, what uh, on the on the on the other side of things? What exercise is a waste of time, or do you see being kind of unsafe? That's simply not worth the energy uh, that you see a lot of guys do. Yeah, I think um, I think there's kind of a little side note with that um, uh, kind of thing too. Is is uh, any exercise uh, can be a waste of time and can be very harmful if it's not coached right, um, or if you as a player are lifting on your own and you don't have eyes on you. Uh, um, yeah, it's just not worth taking that gamble and that risk. Um, you can pick up little things. I mean, for instance, like a back squat, uh, can be a very, very harmful, um, lift. Um, if, you know, you're, you're, you're not in, in, in a good foot position, if you're not loading correctly, if you're not, uh, cueing the right patterns to get into flexion and out to extension, um, you know, I think that's one, uh, you know, that you can, you can make an argument for that most people should know how to do, but, uh, surprisingly, I have to coach up. Um, at least 75% of our athletes on back squats, even after they have had uh, coaching on, uh, or, or maybe not necessarily specific coaching, but they've had uh, introduction to uh, two back squats. Um, you know, I think uh, as far as um, specific lifts, um, you know, I, I think the lower body side of it, you can make argues for and against it. Um, I would say uh, a lot of the times, um, with our hockey players, just because they are, uh, most of their shoulders are, uh, on a, on a, a forward, uh, forward tilt, um, at the anterior chain tight pecs. Um, I'd say I just watch out for the barbell bench. Um, that's probably one just because, um, because of postural, uh, issues that I've seen in here. Uh, I would like to see more of, uh, uh of our hockey players, um, get on the, uh, on dumbbells anyway. And we do a lot of dumbbell work, dumbbell presses. Um, and then we'll do a lot of uh, eccentric loading on our chest to open up, uh, open everything up, and try to adjust our posture. Um, you know, better posture uh, is going to create better stability. Better stability hopefully means uh, that we have uh, less less shoulder injuries. Um, you know, less labrum, rotator cuff uh, uh, in, uh, injuries, and uh, and hopefully uh, you know surgeries. Uh, we've had a lot of guys come through who have had you know, labor issues, uh, you know, I mentioned even, uh, you know, Deuce specifically, uh, he's a hundred percent now, but if you look at his posture and the evolution of his posture, uh, he is, uh, a, a different stature of a man. Um, and, uh, I, 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 that, that attribute and, or, or I guess that, um, uh, I guess kind of compliment is strictly to Goose, uh, because he put in the work to fix that. Um, you know, he really didn't have that kind of correction going in. And so a guy like Goose, we spent, years and years and years fixing his posture um and you know at this point uh i com- feel completely uh confident in his uh shoulder's ability to take the load on the season that labrum once you once you get that shoulder damage um i think uh you know it ends your season just like that um uh your your shoulder just becomes unstable and 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 you probably at that point have ruined and i essentially ruined you you've, you've set yourself back six to nine months uh, depending upon recovery and, and how much damage that is, um, you know. So uh, I guess yeah, the, the barbell bench would be said one that I'd say just may not be worth it on some levels. 
Another question based on that, uh, what drives you crazy that you often see in the gym? Oh man. Um, the, <laughs> the craziness would be, um, yeah, that's, I see a lot of things. I, I, I definitely do. Um, I think, uh, you know, with my hours going from uh, as early as they are to as late as they are, um, I'm sure everyone around here hears my voice nonstop throughout the day. Um, and there's a lot of talking and a lot of, uh, a lot of queuing. Um, you know, I think, uh, a couple of things that drive me crazy, um, would be, um, a lot of our players, uh, want to come in and do more abs and move more, you know, six pack stuff. And they, you know, choose, um, you know, not that there's anything against the P90X, uh, uh, ab series, but I would prefer that my athletes don't do that because all, all the ab exercises that they, uh, they do, uh, it just tightens up their hip flexors a lot more. And then we spend a lot more time trying to, uh, loosen up the things that, uh, you know, they naturally have as hockey players. So I think that's, uh, that's one thing, uh, that kind of irks me. Another thing, uh, is obviously just, um, uh, you know, not, not full range, uh, of motion in the weight room. Um, you know, I do, uh, want my guys to get full range of motion on squats and, and, uh, and hex bar deadlifts and, and, uh, even dumbbell benches, things like that, rows. Uh, range of motion, um, is another big thing that's up there, uh, especially with, uh, uh, you know, guys trying to get ready uh, for their six packs for, for for the summer season. There's a lot, often a lot of weaknesses between the upper and lower bodies, so you're doing core work. Uh, what are kind of some common misconceptions that you see about core training and and that for hockey guys? You know, I I think a lot of them. Um, you know, core training wise, um, I would say you know when 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 we have um, and when we take our approach to core training. Uh, your core is, is a stabilizer. Um, you know, it's, it's there, uh, to pretty much stabilize the spine, um, throughout movement, throughout loads, throughout, um, any kind of demands of sport. So when we train, um, our core, we do a lot of, uh, uh, isometric holds, you know, something as simple as like a dead bug or as probably more common to, uh, uh, everyone, it would be like a, a plank. Um, you know, so we take that, uh, that, that approach to start. Uh, on a lot of different levels, and we'll add anti-rotation. We start, um, you know, for instance, one, I'll have the, a lot of my hockey guys hold in a, a side hold where they grab a cable system, they hold at, uh, at a 90-degree angle, and then I, I'll slap their hands, and I'll, I'll hit their hands around. But their goal is to uh, engage, stabilize through their hips, uh, and make sure that they can control the weight uh, and the external force around them. So, um, you know, our, our core training as a whole uh, ends up being throughout our workouts because we do a lot of uh, unilateral movements. We'll do a lot of single arm dumbbell bench. We'll do a lot of single leg uh, exercises like rear foot elevated and, and lunges and, and step ups. Uh, so you, we will get a ton of core training by loading our bodies. Um, and so we won't spend a lot of extra time, uh, in, you know, without, throughout our, uh, or I guess on the outside of our workout doing our core um, extra because we cue and we stabilize our core throughout our lifts start to finish. And, you know, our, our lifts will be anywhere from um, probably, well, for the most part, I think the average is about 16 different uh, series um, uh, or exercises or clusters in a row. Um, a lot of it will be based on mobility. Uh, but when we, uh, when we get under the bar, let's say on a back squat, um, we want, we got to make sure that our core is engaged um, and, uh, and, and, and ready to protect that force. Uh, you got some other people that will think core is, uh, a matter of how many crunches you can do, uh, you know, how many Russian twists you can do, um, you know, V-ups, things like that. Um, it, it, it just, the, the, the core is not 
necessarily there athletically to perform that movement. How many times on the ice do you truly crunch? Um, never, you know. Yeah, I think, I think you, see that. you see that misconception quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you go to YouTube and look up ab exercises. I guarantee, you know, something like that's gonna uh, uh, is gonna pop up. And you know, I think um, we we the the world out there, the sport world, has evolved so much that we're getting better at not you know programming a lot of those those type of movements, and we're making it more sport specific. Um, and 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 so that's that's encouraging to see. You know, especially uh, that way. You know, we don't have all our guys crunched in. They're 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 closing. Uh, you know, their the rib cage, their diaphragm, and so as is tight. Um, and then all of a sudden, it ends up being we spend two months of our off season uh, focusing on on trying to open them back up versus uh, uh, you know keeping them uh, uh, closed. And 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 I guess at that concern. What tools or techniques are you seeing guys use besides cold tub or doing the ice ice bath or cold plunge? Uh, what are the most beneficial ones for player recovery? You know, I think the the standard probably in the industry that most people know is going to be like foam rolling. Uh, that's probably some of the easiest uh, ones that helps out uh, um, with the uh, the muscle tissue quality. Um, uh, you know, it's all myofascial relief. Um, I think that uh, is is a big one. You can do Epsom salt baths. Um, you know, depending uh, upon um, you know workloads and, and timing and things like that. I think the Epsom salt with uh, deficiencies in magnesium help out so much. Um, you know, they got the like you said, the cold, uh, the cold bath, the uh, the contrast showers, doing hot and cold showers back and forth. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of the things that I like uh, as part of recovery is a uh, a PNF style of of stretch. Um, it's a partner stretch where um, you'll you'll go into range of motion. So, for instance, like a straight leg hamstring stretch, you have one partner lay on their back, uh, lifts the, and elevates the leg up. Uh, the other partner steps in and and works range of motion at that hamstring. And then you'll have the uh, the partner uh, engage that uh, uh, I guess that hamstring and push down on the partner for a certain amount of time, and then you release, and then you come back uh, down to the floor with the leg, and then back up into flexion. And you do a, a series of that. The research behind PNF stretching, if uh, you guys could look it up, um, you know, just to get more insight on it. Um, I'm sure my description didn't help out too uh, too much, but get some insight on PNF stretching. Um, and, and everything research-wise has, has shown uh, and indicated that as being a great way uh, for recovery. And, and I think you combine that with the foam rolling, that's a great start. Um, you know, even at home doing your, your cold showers, uh, uh, contrast showers, your, your cold baths, things like that, um, that would be, uh, I think, the best way to treat your body. NHL teams often emphasize lungs the most and being in the best hockey shape as possible. Uh, for example, we had a player who attended New Jersey Devils camp, and their primary focus there was stressing about being in true hockey shape with your lungs and breathing. Uh, what exercises are best to achieve maximum anaerobic capacity and efficiency? Um, I've seen a lot of guys do the interval training on the bike, where they'll do specific one- to two-minute cardio uh, workout and interval training that closely mirror hockey shifts, but uh, what what other insight do you have on that? You know, I, I, I think... Part of our, our, our off-season um, when we start, and I can probably just take you through uh, a little more on our progressions for the, uh, for the breathing, is uh, we, lay, we lay our guys down on their, on their backs when they first come in, and we teach them how to breathe. Um, you know, that, that's probably, a, you know, it may, may be a surprise to a lot of people, may not be uh, to, to others, but most people don't even really know how to breathe. And we, we teach them how to breathe through their belly um, and utilize oxygen better. Um, 
you know, and, and, and what we want our athletes to do is when we start doing our conditioning, um, we, we, when we start ramping it up, the foundation of breathing will help our athletes get from their, uh, their heart rates, you know, above 140, 150, um, and, and we'll get them to drop back down to, you know, about 50, 60 beats per minute. And, uh, when, once we can calm that state, the stress on the body, um, is, is far less. And so when we do our intervals, we do our intervals to progress, uh, and, and condition the lungs and condition the body to, uh, turn on, fire as hard as they can, and then also, um, uh, turn off and, 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 and rest and cool down appropriately. Um, you know, like, uh, we mentioned, uh, Red Rocks are fortunate to be at. We do our intervals at Red Rocks. Um, the bleachers there, when we have to push through, uh, through the bleacher, it, it closely mimics the extension on stride. Um, and so we have to really push through our toes. We have to extend, uh, all three of our joints out from our hip down. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's such a, a great, uh, asset for us and for our hockey players. On top of that, it's a beautiful view, so that helps too. But um, for for insight, for uh, conditioning, um, if you don't have the luxury of of uh, I mean, even like hill sprints or uh, equipment, um, you know, the hope is that maybe equipment wise, uh, the easiest thing to do would be to hop on a, uh, a Schwinn Airdyne bike. Um, and when you go on your intervals, um, you can progress through your intervals and 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 utilize the Airdyne as your resistance, and that thing. Uh, will, will definitely, uh, put you on your butt real fast. Um, and I think with a bike interval, uh, style, if you, uh, it's, it's hard to kind of map out a full off season of conditioning, but there are a couple books out there that are very good for conditioning based, uh, ideas. And MMA conditioning, um, is a book, um, I can't remember the name of the, uh, the author off the top of my head, but, uh, that book in itself will give you a lot of ideas on, on how to progress, um, uh, you know, conditioning off season wise, uh, we'll start at an aerobic capacity, uh, uh, to begin. We want our, uh, our aerobic capacity to be very high at the beginning of the season so that way we can teach our body how to recover, uh, cause everything, uh, in recovery happens through oxygen, uh, and oxygen being in our blood. So, uh, that's what we'll focus on to start. Most of our weight training is going to be aerobic based at that point, um, in our initial phases. And then, um, we'll start adding more of our, our, uh, our, our interval training. So we'll start maybe, uh, um, in between a six, uh, and 10 to one, uh, work to rest ratio. So, uh, or rest to work ratio. So we'll have maybe an on, uh, a go moment for, um, you know, 15 seconds to start. And then we'll take, um, you know, maybe uh, a minute off. Um, and then we'll start through that early on in our off season. Uh, and then we'll progress throughout. Uh, and make it almost even a one-to-one. So we'll burst for, you know, 15, 20, 30 seconds, and then we'll take 15, 20, 30 seconds off, and then we'll go again. Um, and we'll, we'll take those bouts, uh, and, and we'll, we'll basically add up the volume, and sometimes we'll do like reps of 10. Uh, you know, so in the end, our conditioning will only take, um, maybe max with cool down, uh, or, or warm up cool down, uh, as well as the interval in the middle. Um, it might take 15, 20 minutes. Um, so, you know, I guess to, uh, to answer and summarize the, the off-season conditioning, um, package and the best way to prepare would be, you know, build your aerobic capacity now, uh, add your intervals in as we start getting into July, especially if you're going to be playing in, uh, in September, um, and then ramp up, uh, uh, your, your, your rest work, uh, uh, ratios 
uh, and make sure that um, you're able to mimic the the on ice approach of uh, of shifts. You know, you're looking at your shifts being 30 to 40 seconds. Uh, when you get on on like a bike or when you're doing your sprints, um, uh, you, or even your uphill sprints, you're really going and you're going at a max effort. And then when you're recovering, you're going back through your belly breathing. You're working on breathing, trying to cool that heart rate down, make sure the stress is not there. Uh, and then when your go is up, you're ready to go again for your 30, 40 seconds as hard as you can. Um, and so uh, that's the best way to prepare. There's really um, – if the team has conditioning uh, tests built in, um, I usually have my guys prepare for that event specifically. Um, if it's more on ice space, um, we'll do conditioning uh, interval style uh, on ice. Um, and it'll be that same kind of flow. We'll get our skates on. We'll do, uh, you know, goal line to goal line or whatever, you know, uh, time under tension we need. And then they'll be just kind of skating around uh, in our recovery very lightly um, and more so gliding, I should say, not even really skating. Uh, and then we'll get their heart rates down and we'll go again. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of variations that you can do. Uh, but like I, I was kind of saying, the aerobic capacity up front, uh, build your anaerobic, um, you know, throughout it. And then that's going to be the best way uh, uh, to get into uh, in-season shape um, as, as close as you can. And and the more uh, on-ice intervals that you do closer to, to season, the better off you're going to be. Um, you, you can't really mimic the sport without being uh, or, or being present in the sport. So no matter how much of the Red Rocks we do interval-wise, we're not going to be as prepared as if uh, as well-prepared as if we go into the ice and get our enrolls done on there. Oh, completely agreed. And I think uh, we tell a lot of our guys to stay off the ice until July and August, but come July and August, uh, really start ramping it up. And obviously before that, in this, earlier in the summer, just work on off the ice and in the gym. Uh, so I think what you're saying there is a very valuable point. Uh, I, I Also, I mean, I think a lot is said about movement and mechanics to enhance stride and length of stride. Um, when you're talking about speed development and force production with the hockey stride, um, do you see a lot of athletes doing the plyometrics too? Like, like a lot of hopping and jumps, um, you know, to help with that? Yes, uh, definitely do. We incorporate that throughout our, our weight training and even, uh, some of our, our field sessions, um, uh, that we have, um, we'll work on, um, you know, we start off the off season working on more landing than anything and finding our true athletic position with our, uh, our knees bent, our hips low, uh, our chest over our toes and, and really ready to explode. Um, you know, so when we, when we have that foundation of, of, uh, being in a good position, then we can expand uh, a lot, um, and, and through, you know, plyometrics. Um, I think the plyo wise, uh, that's probably one of the more important things, um, to create that ability to, to uh, extend, um, and, and get into our extension and, and, you know, obviously the on ice cue of pushing through your toe. Uh, it helps repeat that pattern. So, you know, we'll intertwine uh, starting off in the uh, the offseason. Um, a lot of very form-based jumps, so like a broad jump where we're keeping our tracking pattern from our toe underneath our hip uh, uh, throughout our jump. And uh, we'll work on that, and then we'll transition to more of like a, a Russian box where you're working on stride angle. Uh, we'll do a lot of that. We don't actually have one of those boxes here, but – we kind of mimic it by working on our, 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 our extensions, working at an on-ice, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, push and power push. And so that will help transition to when we get our guys back on the ice for our conditioning. So, um, you know, we will oversee a lot of that. 
Um, I would say um, things that we may not do as much as other people do. You know, we don't do um, timed intervals of, uh, of jumping where we're doing, you know, 500 jumps in, in a session. Uh, we, we make sure that our reps um, early on in this, uh, the offseason are perfect and, and very precise. Um, and then that's our foundation throughout it. So when we start adding volume, we always return back to our, 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 our perfect and precise movements. And so, um, when we, when quality, we incorporate quality what? over, over oh, quality. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and every year is a little bit different because sometimes we need to, uh, slow things down and make sure we continue to reiterate that quality, right? Uh, and, and, and then we start adding the quantity. Um, and, and most of our, our, our ratios are going to be based off of a 30 to, uh, 30 to 40 second movement, uh, as we get closer to season, um, even in plyos. And there's really no specific plyo, um, that's going to be like better than others. It's just, it's just all about movement, um, and how quick that, uh, I guess that explosive push is. Um, and, and, and no other sport can you really compare the the uh, I guess the the ability to push um, is, as as being as so I guess so important than in, in than in hockey. You look at how much of a a, a sprint, let's just say a, a, a track star, uh, their toe contact in the ground might be a tenth of a second. Where an an on ice uh, approach to stride or gait um, is going to be about three tenths of a second for um, the contact of the ice as you push back into uh, 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 your stride, and then you recoil into flexion. So that um, is is something that we we want to reiterate um, as being important. So when we get on the sleds, our sleds really mimic a lot of that on-ice approach. So mid-off-season, we'll get on the sleds, and we'll look at running uh, and pushing through our toes with our sleds uh, at a very forceful action. So um, we can we can start developing that muscle memory of that quick extension, that quick extension, you know, and, and then that obviously leads into our on ice approach. Sure, no, absolutely. I think plyos you can definitely tell with quality plyometrics. Uh, you can tell, and guys that do the sled as well, you can tell in, in camp. Usually, it makes a huge difference. And if if a player hasn't been doing those, and then all of a sudden they do that one summer and they come into camp, you can usually tell there's a huge difference in their. Uh, just explosiveness and their quickness off the line. And, um, I mean, it, it just it improves a player uh, night and day. With goalies, how are those different uh, than a player, like such as a forward or a defenseman? How is that training different or specific to each? You know, I think I get that question a lot with uh, with, with position specifics. Um, you know, and, and no one really wants to, to hear it, but... When, when we get in the strength and conditioning world and sports performance world, uh, the reality of it is that we are not going to necessarily make a player um, a better on-ice hockey player, you know, because you don't mimic, like a goalie, you know, working post to post, up to down. You, if you mimic that on the dryland side, you have friction on the dryland side and you risk injury. So when we when we look at our, our training, and this is, this is coming from uh, the NSCA event, talking to these other other guys. I, I actually didn't even uh, say it this last week, and I can't remember who it was that did. Um, it was uh, one of the uh, the Big Ten schools, um, but they were saying that um, we do not make better. And, and I think his his quote is not obviously exact, but he says we do not make better hockey players. That's for the hockey coach. We make better athletes. 
and better hockey or better athletes to move for the sport of hockey to then turn to our, our coach to make them better on ice. And so when we look at more of our, our goalie and defenseman and forward approach, um, Zach LaRock, who just committed to Air Force, um, we, I put him with our defenseman and forwards. Um, and we'll intertwine a little more, um, I guess, movement-based around the hip, where, for instance, we'll look at a three-way RDL. So uh, if, if, you know, if I can shoot out one ex- uh, example, is a lot of our forwards uh, and defensemen will do a, uh, a stiff-legged RDL um, on a bar, and we will just work with our toes straight ahead. Um, our goalies, as we get closer to in season, we'll work with our toes straight ahead, our toes at external, and our toes at internal to really work on the femoral head uh, and, and, and create almost uh, a pattern um, of, 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 of consistency that, that, that you'll see on the ice. So there's very, very uh, minute and small changes that we have, but in the end, my main goal and pretty much all our goals as strength finishing coaches is to have a better and healthier athlete. And so whether we get into more specific of goalie movements, working on rotational components, that does happen. You know, so a lot of our mobility stuff and a lot of our, our in-between, you know, strength, uh, strength exercise and power exercises will be specific for our, our goalie, uh, uh, I guess specific for our goalie as a whole or specific for our defenseman and forwards. Um, you know, but as a whole, the entire program is built with the mentality of getting uh, the, the strength up, getting the power and explosiveness up, and putting on the the size that these guys need. Maybe it's ten, you know, five, ten pounds. Um, but like I said, um, we 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 really kind of set ourselves apart between the goalies and forwards and defensemen by working um, range of motion uh, exercises from internal rotation to external rotation throughout the hip. Uh, that is going to be our main focus. We definitely do approach our groin a little bit different as a whole, um, but in the grand scheme of it, we're bettering the athlete, and then we're taking the sport-specific demands um, on a auxiliary level versus a main component level. Sure. A hockey player is a hockey player, and uh, either way, they're, they're athletes, and uh, I like the, that approach you're, you just mentioned there. Um Let's talk nutrition next. Uh, what are the biggest factors you see having the most impact with diet, and uh, what is your definition of eating right for hockey? Um, eating right is you know kind of under under maybe a, a couple different rules. Um, uh, eat um, lean meats, uh, eat fruits or vegetables with every meal, uh, eat healthy fats, and then eat consistent. Um, a lot of uh, the hockey players around here, um, I want to. Uh, you know, I tell them to go home uh, because they they'll hang out here. I mean, we have a pretty uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's the facility itself. You almost just, you have so much to do here. We got an indoor uh, driving range, you know. So uh, there's this uh, uh, there's arcades. There's just so much going on in this facility that a lot of these kids will find hanging out. Um, and if they don't eat consistent, uh, and, and within those consistent meals, if it's not a, a lean protein or a fruit or vegetable, that's where we start seeing um, the issues. Uh, and then they don't maximize their off season as much, uh, and then they go into in season only gaining you know three, four, five pounds. And so I usually aim, and, and I don't even give, I don't like giving our athletes. Um, and we're fortunate to have a nutritionist, uh, Lauren Story, uh, through Fit Fuel Nutrition. So she really uh, handles uh, uh, all our nutrition needs. Um, but even learning her program, uh, you know, we 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 don't 
to, for an athlete to count the calories, um, you can, most athletes and most kids, uh, and, and teenagers and even in the early adulthood can sit down and consume, um, you know, I don't know how many, uh, you know, calories in one plate. Let's just say it's, you know, uh, over a thousand. So if we say we're on a 5,000 cal- uh, 5, calorie diet, um, you know, you, most of our athletes can consume maybe uh, a fifth of that in one sitting and then they're full and then they don't eat for four or five hours and then they eat again and it's another, you know, 1,000, 1,500 calories and then they don't eat again for another four hours. And, and you're not delivering your body the nutrients. Your body can only handle so much. Um, and if I remember right, the research uh, is, is uh, you know, protein-wise, it can vary between uh, 10 and 20 or 23 grams of protein in one sitting. And some of our, our, our players are like, oh, I'm going to eat 50 grams of protein. More means better, right? Uh, no, more does not mean better. You know, you got to really uh, eat to what your body utilizes, and then that's it. You know, so um, if, if, if there's anything that I could say about nutrition, um, it would be those four rules, right? Eat your lean proteins, uh, eat your fruits, your, uh, uh, fruits and vegetables, have your, make sure you get your healthy fats in and then eat consistent. Consistent being probably aimed for every two hours. Uh, and that's the thing that, uh, uh, that Lauren puts, uh, our athletes on, um, and we get great results. Um, I, 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 I used Jacob Slavin earlier. His first year, he was about 160 pounds. He went up to 190. 90 pounds in an off season, and then now he's probably playing at a solid 205. Um, and so that's the kind of growth that we get in our off season. And if you watch him skate, uh, even with that weight gain, he is not losing a step in his speed. Uh, everything that it, that he has uh, is functional, and he's exploding through. Um, and so that's uh, you know I think that's probably the more important things about uh, nutrition. And you know I you probably didn't hear me say supplement one time, and 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 I truly believe our athletes need to learn how to eat first uh, and then supplement second. And so when, when they get those four, four rules down, we'll start adding and saying, hey, here's a, a, a good NSF-approved supplement. We want you to take this. And, um, and, and, and Lauren and I collaborate um, on finding, you know, the right fit for uh, our athletes. She'll give me all the, uh, the nutritional needs that they need, and then I'll find a, a good supplement for them and make sure that they, uh, they take it at the right amount and that they don't just go to a normal or a local uh, supplement shop and just buy whatever the uh, the person working uh, tells them to buy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, with the players we work with, you know, between 15 years old to 20 or 25 years old, you get better at it typically the longer you go in your career. But I think certainly uh, that's the most thing that's, that's often overlooked is just nutrition, consistent nutrition, and eating the right foods. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of players, I mean, they just don't even know where to start. So um, definitely, I mean, I think that that provides a, a good, solid foundation for, for their career and, and for the summer here. Um, I, I know earlier you mentioned a couple books, but uh, what other books have you most gifted or recommended to, to, your, to people in general, not just hockey athletes, but maybe your football guys? Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a, 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 a couple of different books. Um, you know, I've been reading one right now. It's a little more military-based. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's called, uh, um, just extreme ownership. Um, and I've been, I've been using a lot of their principles. So I'm doing a little book study with, um, a couple people around here on that book and uh, just a lot of our coaches around here and, and we're, you know, just collaborating on it and, and just talking through different ideas on it and how to implement it in each of our, our careers. And, and, um, that book in itself, um, you know, I, I, I demand, 
and 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 hopefully you know i i, I uh was able to at least um kind of give a an example of of our athletes and the demand they go through in our off season but the demand is so high um and 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 i don't i don't tolerate um and i don't i don't um i guess allow uh, and i'm not flexible on um not showing up or uh not putting in the effort you know our 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 sessions are are intense and they're pretty uh to the point and we don't beat around that and and I expect our guys to take that kind of concept of extreme uh ownership and so we take a lot of those principles and I talk to the guys about this ownership uh aspect you know and I talk about uh there's another book called the power of habit um that's another one that I take principles for and i i if the guys you know a lot of the guys will read a lot of guys you know see interest in that um you know and so when when if they show interest, I'll get them the book and I'll have them read it. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about those two, those were ones that have really been a good foundation for our guys and, and the maturity. I mean, you look at a, uh, how many how many guys in the United States, hockey players, will leave uh, their own home at the age of 15, 16 and go live with a, a family, a billet family uh, elsewhere. And, you know, and not every family is built around a, a, a structure where, you have discipline at home. You have uh, rules to follow. And so a lot of our kids um, have a, a hard time learning to follow within discipline uh, and, and, and taking ownership on who they are as an athlete. Um, and, and they have a, uh, a mentality that it's everyone else's fault. Oh, I didn't make that team because it's political. You know, oh, I, I didn't make that team for whatever other reason. And, and that's not the case with our guys here. I preach our guys – it's your destiny. You have to take ownership in your product and, and what you're putting in. If you put in the effort in the off season, in turn, good things are going to happen. All right. You make the coach, um, um, you know, you, you put the, 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 I guess the decision in the coach's hand to be the hardest decision that he has. If, uh, if, if, uh, you know, if it comes between you and someone else and all that happens is through right now and, and between June, uh, or I should, I should even say May and June. There's a lot of camps going on right now with main camp invites. Um, we have to make sure that our guys uh, uh, take that ownership and and have that ability to critique themselves um, to to I, I guess in turn have the success as an athlete uh, and and a, uh, a and and a hockey player specifically. And then in turn, at the end of the at the end of the road when they have to hang up their skates. They are that much more prepared for the real life. And so, you know, to give a shout out to those two books, those have actually really helped me out in my career. You know, these uh, 6 a.m. to, uh, you know, 9.30, 10 p.m. days um, are not easy, uh, but I love what I do. Uh, and it really, it really uh, has helped me establish habits and establish ownership within what I do um, and, and how I handle myself. No, 100%. No excuses. And um, that book, again, is called Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win. It's by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Uh, they were both members of the elite U.S. Navy SEAL squads. Um, and the book came out in 2015. Uh, great book for teamwork and taking ownership. So definitely high, highly recommend that, guys. We're kind of wrapping up here. Um, I know you're very active in the community. Tell us a little bit about your athlete nonprofit. Um, it's called Dreams Never Alter Sports Foundation. Yes. Um, so, it, it, you know, I, I guess a little bit of the background on that, that is, is um, you know, there's there's countless times that um, we have to make a business decision on 
on if we can bring athletes in uh, and 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 uh, what rates we have to go with uh, for charging for our camps and individuals. Um, and it really always bothered me that we had to say no to some athletes that just had the passion, the drive, the heart behind uh, achieving success as an athlete. Um, but you know, unfortunately, sometimes the financial side may not have been there. Um, and, and the financial support, you know, maybe uh, a single parent home, maybe, you know, uh, we, I, we just kind of got out of that time where a lot of parents, uh, or adults were getting laid off. Um, you know, we're very fortunate to have a, a community right now where, um, we have a low un- unemployment rate, but, um, needless to say, we still have uh, a lot of athletes that we have, um, come in and they can't train because they financially could afford it. So, our, our uh, Dreams Ever Alter or uh, DNA Sports Foundation, um, we have um, built toward giving athletes an opportunity, giving an athlete a, a chance. I grew up in the area here in Colorado, and I never had a chance to uh, train at a facility like this. I never had a chance to uh, learn uh, about movement and learn about athleticism um, at all. I was working at a working out at a YMCA and. No offense, but, you know, I was getting spotted by, you know, 40 and 50 year old men that probably didn't have, uh, a really a clue other than what bench, deadlift, and back squat were. Um, and not that it really, uh, um, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't care, but I really learned fast that I didn't want, um, you know, a, another generation to go by with, with missing that opportunity that I, I wish I had. And so, you know, we, we create these opportunities to, not only train at facilities um, and, and, and potentially, um, you know, get scholarships uh, or sponsored uh, to, uh, uh, to have and provide an off-season program, but we also provide opportunities. And I think one opportunity that we have that I, I can think about coming ahead is we run a, a Homegrown Heroes uh, uh, camp series that we bring in all our local uh, college and professional athletes that we have uh, in, in my system, and um, we run these skill-based camps. So one that we're doing this year is football-based. We're bringing in um, a couple local uh, uh, pro athletes, uh, um, and then we also have all all my college guys showing up, and they're giving back to the kids to give them a chance to learn from college and professional uh, athletes, and and hopefully expand their knowledge and expand their uh, uh, development within the sport. So um, we have so many different other projects going on. We're looking at doing a uh, field of dreams project where we're uh, we're going to go in and we're going to hopefully find some. Uh, uh, communities that need revamping of local parks and, um, you know, maybe roller, uh, uh, I guess roller rink, if you will, um, and just give the uh, opportunity for kids to be active in sport. Um, and, you know, so there's a, a lot that is going on, but, you know, I'm just very fortunate. My All the athletes that I work with here are, are so humble and more than willing to help out uh, that it gives a lot of our kids in the area uh, chances and, and, and opportunities to uh, to grow within the sport. So that's that's the gist of it. You know, we do run a, a lot of fundraisers. Um, you know, we do have a lot of uh, that opportunity. So, you know, if uh, if anyone wants to be a part of it, we're more than, uh, you know, willing to, uh, um, you know, to, to uh, obviously bring them in and bring them on board uh, and assist and, and give them direction on how they can help. Um, you know, we have no one on our, our, our board and no one in, 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 in the foundation itself is paid. So 100% of everything we do goes right back to our our mission, and that's uh, giving uh, opportunity and, 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 and giving a, a chance for kids to achieve their dreams um, and to really aim out and, and line up that path so that they can uh, push forward and 
um, you know, uh, give give every ounce of effort to uh, uh, to accomplish that. Fantastic. I mean, it's it's all about giving young athletes, you know, the tools and resources to be successful. And it really sounds like dreams never alter. Uh, is is that's really what it's based on? So have a lot of respect for that. Have a have a lot of respect for what you're doing in that capacity. And uh, very excited to see kind of where that goes and, and, and to see the growth of that program. Where can people find you online and learn more about your work? So I do, uh, I do a lot of Instagram posting, uh, just T Naiman, N-A-I-M-A-N. Um, uh, you know, you can follow a little bit of the, uh, a lot of what I do on my Instagram though is, uh, I'm going to start posting more exercise based and maybe some, uh, some cluster based stuff, um, that I've been working on. Um, but I also, you can, you can definitely follow my athletes because I, uh, I post so much on my athletes. Um, I just love, uh, the things that they do, uh, and, and within their sports. Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, for me, uh, my life, uh, and everything that I, I do kind of, uh, revolves around them and the support for them. And so, you know, Instagram is one way, uh, myimpactsports.com, uh, is our website. You can check out our whole facility, uh, so you can see all the different programs that we offer. Uh, and then, uh, you can email me at, uh, tim at myimpactsports.com. Um, if you have any questions or uh, if you want to get involved um, in any of the programs or uh, I mean we do I can send out um, uh, programs um, through email too so uh, we can you know start doing some I guess uh, Skype training if you will um, and uh, we can look at uh, I guess advancing that if you guys don't have uh, any offseason program that you're doing. Perfect Tim. Well, hey, I really appreciate it. You're a wealth of knowledge, and uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today and have you on Skate Your Way to the Top on this podcast. So thank you again for your time. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate all you do for uh, the hockey community and, and obviously uh, even more sentimental, all my uh, my hockey players that uh, you work with. And um, I know uh, you do an uh, incredible job with them. And, you know, I uh, obviously look forward to uh, getting more athletes um, that, that you work with and, and obviously collaborating more. Uh, on everything that uh, we do within the hockey community going forward. Thanks, Tim. Really appreciate it. And with that, uh, we're going to sign off.